I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible today, that's okay. We're going to have it up on the screen. One of the things we do here at this church, you've been around a while, you figure this out, is we preach what's called expositionally, which means that we preach verse by verse through the Bible. We're in the book of Ephesians right now. Um, I believe for a lot of reasons that expositional preaching is the best kind of preaching you can preach, but there, I believe one problem with expositional preaching where you just kind of go verse by verse, you don't skip anything, and, and that's when you come upon a verse like today which is a very, very difficult verse to preach from. We're in Ephesians chapter uh, 6, verses 5 through 7, and what Paul's doing is he's dealing with the issue of slavery. He's dealing with the issue of slavery, and, and he's, what he's doing here is he's writing to Christian slaves in the church in Ephesus, and, uh, and he's talking to them about how they are to live and how they're to act inside of the institution of slavery, all right? And so... You know, the temptation uh, as a young preacher growing up in, in the church, when I, as an expositional preacher, I would just get to something like this and be like, man, that's hard. We're just going to skip it. But we're not going to skip this today. We're just going to jump into it and hopefully we'll learn something from it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Let me read it to you. Paul says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with good will as to the Lord, not to men. All right, let me read that very quickly one more time. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with good will as to the Lord and not to men. Now this is a sticky verse. It's a sticky section of verses primarily because in the 1700s, in the 1800s of our country, white uh, Christians in America and um, uh, white pastors in America, particularly in the South, wrongfully and sinfully used this verse to justify the institution of slavery. You had slave owners, and again, you had pastors of slave owners that would pull out this verse completely out of context, and they would say, hey, see, right here, the Bible is saying that slaves need to obey their masters, and therefore slavery, slavery must be okay. And so it was wrongfully and sinfully used. Now, on the other side of the coin, historically, you've seen uh, opponents of Christianity. People that are opponents of the Bible pulled this verse completely out of context and say, see, there you go. The Bible is old. It's antiquated. It's completely out of touch with reality. And right there, the, the Bible justifies slavery. So the Bible is wrong. Now, here's the problem with both those sides of the coin coming from Christians, supposed Christians in the, back in the day and non-Christians who have historically used this verse to say the Bible condones slavery. The problem with that is both of them are dead wrong. It's, they're both dead wrong. This verse does not in any shape, form, or fashion justify or condone the institution of slavery. That's not what Paul's doing here. All right, now here's what Paul's doing. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. You remember that. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, and what he's doing, and hear this, he's explaining to Christians what the Christian life is supposed to look like in every single circumstance 
that they find themselves in. Paul's making the argument to them and he's making the argument to us today that no matter what circumstance you find yourself in in this life, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in in this life, first and foremost, primarily, you are a Christian. You're a Christian. And we're to act like it and walk in that no matter what we're going through. All right? Now, do you guys remember what Paul's been teaching us in chapter 5? We're in chapter 6 today. And in chapter 5, what he's been teaching us is that you and I, as believers, are to live differently. We're different. We're different than the world. We act differently than the world. We approach life differently in the world than the world. And the reason we do, he gave us two reasons why we're different and act differently than the world. Turn quickly, Ephesians 5, 5. Let me just remind us. Paul says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, that's sexual morality and impurity and idolatry, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Do not be a co-participant in sexual morality, impurity, idolatry. And then in the next verse, in verse 8, he says why? He said, listen carefully, he says, for at one time you were darkness. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, and so walk as children of the light. Now, the most important thing about that statement is what Paul doesn't say, okay? What Paul does not say was that when you trusted before, rather, before you trusted in Jesus, you were in darkness. That's not what he says. He says, before you trusted in Christ, you were darkness, Darkness is not just something that you did. Paul is saying that before Jesus, darkness is who you were. It was your identity. But now, he's saying, since you trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've had an identity change. You were darkness, but now you are light. He says, you need to understand something, Christians. When you trusted in Jesus, you had a complete change of identity. Okay, and that's the first reason he gives us in chapter five, we live differently. The second one was this. He says, we live differently in this world. Not only because we've been completely changed and we have a brand new identity, but he says, we also now have the power to actually live and walk in that new identity. He says, we trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We receive the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian today, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so not only are you a brand new person, but you have the power to live as a brand new person. So in light of those two things, okay, we're different. We're now the light. We wear darkness, we're now light. We have the Holy Spirit. In light of that, let's read these words again. All right, Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, speaking of slaves who are Christian slaves, who are new people in Christ and have the Holy Spirit, he says, slaves, obey your earthly masters, with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men. Okay, when Paul wrote those words right there, it was estimated at the time in Ephesus that up to 50% of the population were slaves. So Paul here, is addressing a group of people and addressing an issue that made up 50% of the population, okay? And the whole point, listen, the whole point of what he's doing is to speak to those Christian slaves 
and to show them what it looks like to be a Christian inside of the context of slavery. He's not endorsing it. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 7, he tells them, look, if you can get your freedom, you get your freedom. So he's not endorsing it. All he's doing is speaking into an issue that affected half the population, and he's saying, you are a Christian, first and foremost, and this is how you live differently in an extremely difficult circumstance. Okay? That's what he's doing. And so the question becomes for us, as 21st century Americans, is how does this apply to you and to me? We believe the Bible is living. We believe it's active, as Aaron said earlier, sharper than any two-edged sword. So how does this verse, written 2,000 years ago, apply to you and to me? And I think the answer is this, that even though the circumstances that those slaves are walking through are radically different than hopefully anybody in this room, um, the principle is the same. And here's the principle that Paul is teaching. Again, you were darkness. Now you're the light. You have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. In other words, you are a Christian. Okay, you're here today. Those things are true about you. You are a Christian. And here's the principle. Is that you and I, and it's a very simple message today. You and I are to live differently because of those things. We're to live differently in every single circumstance that we face in this life, no matter how hard it is. That's the principle that we learn today. Every circumstance in our life, we approach it as a believer differently than the world. I've got a quote from uh, Dr. Tim Keller. He's uh, one of my favorite preachers. He's in New York City, a great theologian. And he said this. He said, we don't live any part of our lives like non-Christians. Speaking to Christians. We don't live any part of our lives like non-Christians. He said, a Christian will do specific things that a non-Christian does. But a Christian will not, and here's the key part, I think. A Christian will not approach any area of life the same way as a non-Christian. He's saying that because, again, Paul's argument, you were darkness, now you're the light. Because you have God, for crying out loud, living inside of you, you're not going to approach any situation in your life the same way that a lost world does. That's what he's saying. And just want to give you some examples today of what I'm talking about and hopefully apply it back to the text. Um, a Christian employee, a Christian employee, you can have a boss that's a jerk, right? Just like a non-Christian employee. But I think the heartbeat of what Paul is getting to here in the text is saying that as a Christian employee, as somebody that is the light, not darkness, somebody that has the spirit of God, as a Christian employee, you're going to approach and deal with that boss who's a jerk in a radically different way than someone in the world would. In Ephesians 6, 5, he says, he's kind of dealing with this. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and with trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. That phrase there, fear and trembling, it's just a phrase simply that means to respect, to show respect. Paul's writing to these slaves and he's saying, look, I know you're in a difficult situation. I know you're in an unjust situation. But at the end of the day, First and foremost, your identity is not a slave. Your identity is a believer. You're a Christian. And so because you're the light, because you're filled with the Spirit, you are to show respect. Show respect as you would show respect to Jesus, even in the midst of an incredibly difficult and unjust situation. All right? And that same principle applies to you and applies to me. 
There are probably a lot of you, maybe, I don't know about a lot of you, probably some of you in this room, that you're right now in your workplace, you're in an unjust situation. And, and what the scripture is saying to you today is that because you are a Christian, because you are a Christian, just because you're in an unjust situation does not give you the license to sin. Just because you're in an unjust situation does not give you the license to approach that situation in the way a non-believer would. Why? Because we're different. You have a boss that's a jerk. The scripture's saying that even when nobody else is, even when nobody else does, you respect him. You respect her in the same way that you respect Jesus. Okay, we're different. That's the whole point. We're different. Um, Another way to think about how we're different than the world and how we approach things. Another workplace example is with the quality of work that we are to produce as believers. The quality of work that we're supposed to produce as believers. I know it's a huge temptation for people, especially when they hate their job or um, they're underemployed or they feel like they're being underutilized and they're in a bad situation to not do as good or as excellent of work as they're capable of because they don't like their job. And I think what Paul's doing here, he's saying that's not the way that Christians live. That's not the way we approach our work. We're different. In Ephesians 6, 5 again, he says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and with trembling. Show respect. And then watch what he says next. He says, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. He says, approach your work with a sincere heart, as you would Jesus. Now, what does he mean when he says, when he's speaking to these slaves here, and he says, when you, go, when you get up tomorrow and you go to work, work with a sincere heart. What does he mean? Well, the word there, sincere, is actually a really cool word. It's a Latin word, and it comes from two words, sin, which is, S, I think that's how you pronounce it, S-I-N-E, and sera, uh, C-E-R-A. Now, the word sin, S-I-N-E, means without. It's a word that means without in Latin. And the word Sarah, C-E-R-A, means wax. And so literally, when he says work with sincerity, he's saying work without wax. Now, what does that mean? Well, in the first century, if a person was making pottery, um, it's a word that was used for this, they made pottery and there were cracks in the pottery. In other words, it was, they made a bad piece of work. It had cracks in it. They would take wax and they would put it over the cracks to kind of cover it up. And so if you were to just pick it up at first inspection, you would like, okay, this piece of pottery is great. But if you held it up to the light and you started really closely inspecting it, you would see the wax and you would realize this thing wasn't made very well. And so when a piece of pottery was made perfectly, when it was made without cracks, when it was made without wax, there would be a stamp that they would put on it that says sincera. It means without wax. And Paul's writing to these these slaves, these Christian slaves in the first century, and he's saying, look, regardless of the circumstance that you're in today, work with sincerity. Work without wax. Even though you're in an unjust situation, and, and the world would say you're completely justified to just go dial it in and produce shoddy work, what, what, what we do as believers, we're different, and we're going to walk in the door, and we're going to work with sincerity. We're going to work with excellence, just like we are working for Jesus. And that, I'm telling you, folks, when you get that in your brain, 
When you get up in the morning and you go to work with the heartbeat and the mindset, I'm going to work today with sincerity. I'm going to work today with excellence because I am going to do it like I'm doing it for Jesus. It'll change your life. It'll completely change your mindset and how you view work. You write music. You write music. You, you write music with sincerity. You write excellent music like you're writing music for Jesus. That's what the scripture's saying. You're an accountant. You do accounting work with excellence, with sincerity, like you're doing accounting work for the Lord. You're a teacher. Teach with excellence. Teach with excellence, with sincerity, like Jesus was one of your pupils. You work at McDonald's, for crying out loud. Make a really good Big Mac with sincerity, like you're doing it for Christ. And that's what the scripture's saying to us. Regardless of what we're going through, we work with excellence. Now, I know for a lot of us here, that's not the easiest thing to do. Because tomorrow you're gonna get up and you're gonna go to a job that you don't really like. Well, again, that's the whole point of this verse. You were darkness, but now you are light. You are now filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And because of those two things, you are different than this world. You're different than this world. And so regardless of your circumstance, good job, bad job, good boss, bad boss, do it with sincerity as you're doing it for Christ. Now, we're not just called to be different in the workplace. If that's really true about us, that we've had this complete identity change, we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, we're not just going to be different when we get up and go to work tomorrow. We're going to be different in every aspect of our lives. If you are a Christian and you get diagnosed with cancer, you can get a diagnosis of cancer just like a non-Christian can. But because you've been changed... Because you're the light and not the darkness. Because you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You ought to approach cancer in a radically different way than someone who doesn't have the Spirit of God. I saw it last night with my own eyes. We have a precious sister in our church, wife of somebody on staff that was just diagnosed with cancer. And I'm telling you, I'll go over to her house last night and we're praying for them. And there is a difference about the way they're dealing with that than people that I've dealt with that don't have the Holy Spirit. There's a hope. There is a joy, there is a trust in the Lord that can only come through a person that has been changed and possesses the Holy Spirit of God. And it's awesome to see. That's what Paul's saying. We're different. Um, A Christian dating couple can be tempted sexually in the exact, and will be tempted sexually in the same way that a non-Christian dating couple will be tempted. But because they've been changed, because they're the light, they're different, because they have the Holy Spirit of God, they're going to approach that temptation in a radically different way than a couple that doesn't have the Spirit and who has not been changed. A married couple, a married couple, a Christian married couple, they're going to face challenges in their marriage in the exact same way that a non-Christian married couple is going to face challenges in their marriage. Amen? Single folks are like, what? You're going to have challenges when you get married? Not us. You must not understand our love, Matt. We will not have challenges. Yes, you will. But here's the thing. You You have the Holy Spirit. You're the light. You're going to approach those challenges, again, in a radically different way than someone who does not have Jesus. Last week, last week I was preaching at a, a men's conference in another town for a buddy of mine. And uh, we were sitting there in between sessions and he told me just randomly, he told me about uh, a couple in their church, both of them believers, 
and the husband had an affair on his wife and got the girl that he was having an affair with pregnant. Bad situation, obviously. The guy feels the conviction of the Holy Spirit, realized he's messed up monumentally, comes to the elders of the church, confesses, repents, goes to his wife, confesses and repents and begs her forgiveness. Now, let me ask you a question. How would you expect a non-believer, a non-believing wife right there, how would you expect a non-believer to handle that situation? Someone who doesn't have the spirit. Someone who is not the light. Find out not only did your husband cheat on you, violated the marriage covenant, not only does he do that, but he has gotten this girl pregnant. How do you think that a non-believing couple would handle that situation? Well, I'm gonna tell you how they'll handle it. They're gonna get divorced. They're gonna get divorced, no question about it. And why not? This guy's cheated on me. He's having a baby with another woman. There's no reason in the world for me to stay in this marriage. But let me ask you another question. Women, how would you handle that situation as a believer? How would you handle that situation as a believer? You've had an identity change. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And because you're the light in the Lord, it, it hits you. I've been, I've been forgiven of all my sin. When I didn't deserve it, when I had not earned it, I've been forgiven of all my sin. And when I was forgiven of all my sin because of the blood of Jesus on the cross, not only did he forgive me, but, but he adopted me into the family of God. And not only when I didn't earn it and hadn't deserved it, am I completely forgiven, but now I'm a, I'm a son or I'm a daughter of the king. He's given me his spirit. His power lives inside of me. In light of that, how would you handle that situation? Would you approach that situation differently? Because it's real easy to go, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm gonna handle things differently. And it's real difficult when stuff like that happens in your life. To say, I'm a Christian. I'm gonna handle things differently. Let me tell you what she did. This woman, this guy's wife, was in an unbelievably unjust situation. Unbelievably unjust situation. And she was rightly devastated. But here's what she did. She forgave him. Didn't deserve it. Hadn't earned it. She forgave him. She started fighting for their marriage. And then she adopted that baby as her own. And right now, as we speak, they're together and they are raising this child. Their marriage is stronger than it's ever been and they're counseling other couples who are walking through adultery. You see, church, this precious woman of God, this woman, and she is a woman of God, was in an unspeakably difficult circumstance and she responded in a radically different way than the world would ever in a million years respond. Why? Because that's what the scripture is saying we do. It's what we do because we are the light and because we have the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, when we do things like that because of what Christ has done for us, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
And by the way, a little side note here that has nothing to do with the text today. That, young men, is why you marry a woman that loves Jesus. That's, women, that's why you marry a young man that loves Jesus. And I'm not talking about a guy or a girl that says they're a Christian. I'm talking about a young man or young woman that is filled with the Holy Spirit of God and walks as a child of the light because there's gonna come a day, and every married couple will tell you this, there's gonna come a day in your marriage, it's gonna fall apart. And when it falls apart, you wanna be married to somebody that's gonna approach that situation differently than the world. Because if they don't, they're just going to roll on you. And I'm telling you, folks, it breaks my heart. It, it, it always has broken my heart when I see a Christian, somebody who claims to be a Christian, and they're walking through a really, really hard circumstance, and they respond to it in the exact same way that the world responds to it. It's always broken my heart. The whole point of the text today, it's real simple. Paul is teaching us that you and I are different. We're different. And no matter what you're going through, you walk through it the way Christ would have you to walk through it. And I want to kind of wrap up today's short sermon. I want to kind of wrap up today with a final question. Why? Have you ever thought about that? Why? Why, why is it that God calls us to be different? Have you ever thought about that? God, God is asking us to live in this world in a radically different way, and he's asking us to do some radically different stuff, stuff that the world looks at and says, that's pretty much ridiculous. Things like staying sexually pure. Staying sexually pure in a, in a world where sexual uh, purity is an absolute alien concept. God asks us to do things like stay married and, and, and love our, our spouses in, in a world where the concept of marriage as an unbreakable covenant is, has all but been forgotten. God asks us to do things like honor our parents in a world where so many parents are not worthy of our honor. And for crying out loud, he just asked a bunch of slaves to obey their earthly masters and to submit to them and to honor them, even in this evil institution of slavery. Why? Why, why in the world does God call you and me to live in a radically different way, to live radically different lives of love and sacrifice and service, regardless of the circumstance we're in? Why does he do that? I'll give you two reasons and I'm done. Here's the first one. Church, God is calling you today. He's calling you today to display a picture of radical love, radical sacrifice, and radical service, regardless of the circumstance you're in. And he calls you to do it because when you do, you are displaying to this world God's radical love and sacrifice and service to us. Did you catch that? That's what he's doing. He calls you to be radically different, to walk out those doors and go live your life differently Radical love, radical service, radical sacrifice, because when you do, you're displaying to the world God's radical love and sacrifice and service to you and me. Peter says in 1 Peter 1.14, Peter says, as obedient children, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, like 
the Holy One who called you. Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written. This is God speaking. You shall be holy for I am holy. When you walk out those doors, when you walk out those doors this week and you walk in holiness this week, what you're doing is you're screaming to the world and saying, this is what our God looks like. When you walk out those doors and you, and you live out this, this picture of unconditional, unbreakable love, what you're doing is you're shouting to the world and saying, this is what God's unconditional and unbreakable love looks like. Here it is. It's different. It's radical. But so is our God. When you walk out those doors and you live differently, what you're doing, I'm telling you, what you're doing, Jesus said it's true. You're putting a big fat Hubble telescope on the face of God and saying to the world, this is him. This is what he looks like. This is his glory. This is his character. This is his love. Church, Jesus said, Jesus said that I am the light that has come into this world. But Jesus ascended to the Father. And he's not here anymore. He sent us his spirit. It's inside of us. And that's why Jesus said, you are the light of this world. You are the light of this world. And so Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they would see the way that you live and they would turn and they would praise your father who is in heaven. Church, how in the world are people gonna see Jesus if they don't see Jesus through us? Now, last reason that God calls us to live differently, to live lives of radical love and sacrifice and service regardless of the circumstance. And this is a really cool one because the text tells us that when we do that, when we walk out those doors and we're different, regardless of what we're going through, the scripture says he's gonna reward us when we do. He's gonna reward us when we do. Some of you hear this and you're like, man, it, this, I, don't, I don't know. You don't know my boss. You don't know my situation. You don't know my marriage. You don't know my parents. You don't know the temptation I'm in. You don't know what I'm going through. I just want you to know something. Jesus says you walk differently in this life. He sees it, he knows, and he'll reward you. Watch this, we're done, Ephesians 6, 5. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men. Now watch verse eight. He says, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Do you believe that? Whatever good thing you do, whatever way that you live differently, displaying the character of God, even when the circumstances are really bad, what the promise of the Lord is saying today, no matter what you're going through, good marriage, bad marriage, good job, bad job, no matter what you're going through, go through it differently. And when you do, the Lord sees it. He knows what you're going through. He sees your faithfulness. And the promise of the Bible is either in this life or the next, 
our Lord Jesus Christ will reward you for it. And there's going to come a day when you're standing in front of him face to face. And your faith is no longer going to be faith. Your faith is going to be sight. And he's going to be right there. And he's going to take a crown. And he's going to put it on your head. And he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And then you're going to take that crown. And you're going to take it right off of your head. And you're going to kneel down. And you're going to put it at his feet. And say, Jesus, this is all because of you. And in that moment, every single way that you suffered because he made you different will have been worth it. And in light of that, let's pray. I'd love for you to take a second with our heads bowed and our eyes closed just to think about some of the ways specifically that God has, God might be asking you to live differently in this world. To be a light because you're the light. To show respect and honor maybe to people that don't deserve your respect and honor. To give forgiveness, maybe to someone who doesn't deserve your forgiveness. Maybe you've been walking in faithfulness for a while, but you're almost ready to give up because it's really hard. And maybe you needed to hear that today, that it's gonna be worth it one day. Just ask God to remind you of that and give you the strength to endure in a difficult circumstance. Put your eyes on things above. Father, it is so easy to forget that we are supposed to be different than this world. It's such a simple phrase, it's so easy to forget that we're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we're different. Lord, I just pray today that would be a fresh reminder for us, God, that the Holy Spirit, that you would do a great work in us, that we would get up from these chairs today and walk out these doors. And regardless of what we're going through, we would reflect the image and the character of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that there would be people that would come to know Christ because of the, the lives and the witness of the people in this room. That would, that would enter glory and would enter heaven and when telling their testimony for eternity, they would say, because this person right here shined the light of Christ with their lives, they were different. I pray that would happen. I pray that you would do that. God, we ask it for this end, that your name would be glorified. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church, let's stand together.